Hello and welcome once again to another episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, joined once again by my exceptional wife, Sue. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, exceptional. And as we, uh, as we teased last week at the end of last week's episode, today we are going to discuss another cult comedy classic, the 1979 film directed by Ivan Reitman, Meatballs. Are you ready for the summer? I am. <laughs> yeah, we figured because school is winding down and uh, summer camps are going to be starting up for a lot of kids, this was a good movie to discuss this week. Did you have any summer camp experiences yourself? I did not. I Not a lick. None at all, huh? No. And I always thought it would be so cool, especially the overnight camp. Yeah. I don't remember ever doing an overnight camp when I was a kid. I do have a couple of memories of day camp. Okay. That, um, there were a couple of different camps that I went to. One was called Camp Veritans. Okay. It's over near William Patterson College. That much I remember. But I can't remember which town it is in New Jersey. My one big memory of going to that camp was there was one day I just didn't want to go. And I can't remember exactly why. I don't know if it was because I was having problems with a bully at the camp or I just didn't want to go for whatever reason. And my mom bribed me with a pack of Happy Days trading cards. <gasps> Wow. Wow, that is pay dirt. Yeah. yeah. I would go to day camp for that. Yeah, I mean, back in the 70s, Happy Days was where it was at. I mean, the Fonz was everything to me when I was a kid. So the other day camp experience that I, I remember was the Wayne PAL day camp. Oh, okay. And we went to an event there recently to the building. And I was just, you know, just all kinds of memories came flooding back for me a little bit. There were two things about that camp. They're random memories that pop into my head. Actually, three things. Okay. One, it was the first time I ever saw video games. They oh, had, they had wow. A, they had an arcade there. So I remember <laughs> seeing um, Space Invaders and Asteroids and just being blown away by that. Wow. Um, that's really showing my age, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm right there with you. Yeah. The other experiences, I remember two things. One was a watermelon seed spitting contest. Yes. We did those just at family parties in the backyard. Right. But, but it was more fun against other kids. Oh, so. yeah. Definitely. Sure. And I also remember doing a bazooka bubblegum blowing contest. Oh. And the funny thing about that was I did the contest. I wasn't really supposed to be chewing gum. And I entered the contest and I either won or came in second or something. And there was somebody from a newspaper there that took a photo of me oh my gosh so i was oh, busted oh yeah the fame the notoriety yeah but that's uh, those are my camp memories that came to mind that's very cool now the, with the bubble gum was it the size of the bubble or was it a bubble in a bubble or what 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 won it for you it was the size of the bubble okay it was the size of the bubble because i know you can also blow a bubble in a bubble yeah i never did do the bubble in a bubble in a bubble i know you've been saving that for a special occasion tommy told me to save that for a special occasion <laughs> and it just hasn't come yet oh boy we'll have to think of a special reason to do it oh eighth grade graduation Ooh, <laughs> that's pretty important <laughs> So meatballs. Yes. Enough of my calf experiences. Let's talk about meatballs. What yes. a fun movie this is. Oh my gosh. One of my favorites. And again, one of the few movies that I do quote. The amazing thing about this movie is that it was made for next to nothing. It's been out for, mm -hmm. you know, more than 35 years. Mm -hmm. And it holds up amazingly. I think so too. Again, I go back to what I've said in past episodes, how movies from that time period late 70s, 80s, they just were made really well. Mm. Good writing, mm -hmm. 
It didn't even have to have a lot of uh, flash for it to be good. Oh, no, no. And I know some people say, oh, it's dated because it's from the 70s. But you know what? The 70s were awesome. It's fun to look back and, and see like the tube socks. And... Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I, and I always say to Tommy, for me, the 70s were all about pigtails and tube <laughs> socks. I mean, that's what it was all about. It was so cool to be a kid in the 70s. It was a fun time. We sound really old when we talk like this, but it was such an innocent time back then. You know, the it 70s. Was. You could go out all day mm-hmm. and just come home in time for supper. Yep. And you were fine. Yep. There's just too much information for kids nowadays yeah, with yeah. the internet and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love technology, don't get me wrong, but maybe that's why movies don't have that kind of appeal anymore because it's all about CGI. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. it, I mean, to see a group of kids out having fun and doing stuff all day and none of them has a, a phone on them, <laughs> I find that quite refreshing. Exactly. So Meatballs released June 29th, 1979 in the U.S. A Canadian production, actually. It was made in in Canada, and most of the people involved in the movie are Canadian, including um, Ivan Reitman, the director. Oh, I did not know that. I'm I'm pretty sure. That's why they filmed up there. It probably was a lot cheaper to do that as well. Uh, Written by Len Bloom, Dan Goldberg, Janice Allen, and Harold Ramis did some of the writing on this as well. He wrote all the voiceover parts that were set over the Camp PA. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff's going on in the background, and you'll hear something like, Attention! Here's an update on tonight's dinner. It was veal. I repeat, veal. The winner of tonight's mystery meat contest is Jeffrey Corbin, who guessed some kind of beef. Kind of like all those funny uh, little things that were thrown in that really elevated the, the humor level in the movie. So this was Bill Murray's first major film role. He had a couple of other movies that he did either before or during Saturday Night Live. He was still doing SNL when he did this movie, but this was his first major film role. And he's really the only star in this movie. Uh, as far as people that anybody would know, most of the other actors, as I mentioned, were Canadian. They've done, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in Canada, but not really a lot of stuff in the U.S. This was also the debut role for Chris Makepeace, who appeared in My Bodyguard a year later with Matt That's Dillon, right. which was another big and movie for him. And what red-blooded American eighth grade girl did not just think Chris Makepeace was so dreamy? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Matt Dillon. Actually, most, <laughs> no! most girls like Matt Dillon back then. No? Well, you know, but Chris Makepeace had those big blue eyes and that, that little mop top of hair. He was adorable. <laughs> There's another interesting thing about Chris Makepeace, and this plays into something that is near and dear to me. As anybody who knows me well knows, I'm a huge Kiss fan. And Kiss put out an album in 1981 called Music from the Elder. They did. Uh, probably their biggest career misstep. It has its place in history, as they call it. But it's really, it's not good. It's a concept (laughs) album. And the music was supposed to be, it was actually supposed to be made into a movie and the music was going to tie into that. And Chris Makepeace was actually signed on to star in the movie. Oh my gosh. In fact, he recorded some dialogue for the album that didn't actually make the album. The album was produced by a guy named Bob Ezrin, who's Canadian. So that's probably the connection. Okay, yeah. So the production dates of Meatballs, February 1974 to April 1975, they filmed... August 1978 to September 13th, 1978. That's uh, that's Les's birthday. Ah, happy birthday, Les. <laughs> Estimated budget of 1.6 million Canadian dollars. Now, I don't know back then oh, what that boy. translated yeah, to, that means. to U.S. dollars, but probably a lot less. It grossed $43 million in the U.S. So it actually, okay. it actually okay. was a successful film. Yeah. I, I refer to this as a cult classic, but in reality, this did pretty well. I mean, okay. this made money especially for the the limited budget that it was uh, made for. Ivan Reitman was uh, one of the producers on Animal House the year before. 
after working with Harold Ramis and some of the other people involved with that movie at National Lampoon, he actually thought he was going to have a chance to direct Animal House because he had that connection to all the National Lampoon people. But that job actually went to John Landis, who went on to direct a lot of other great comedies, Trading Places, Coming to America, American Werewolf in London, which is kind of a horror comedy. Ivan Reitman knew that he needed to capitalize on the success of Animal House, having been a producer on that. So he got together with some of the writers of this movie. They talked about some of their own summer camp experiences, and that became the script. Yeah, write about what you know. Mm -hmm. The movie was filmed at an actual summer camp, Camp White Pine in Halliburton, Ontario. It's just a few hours north of Toronto. That's right, and I think it's still there. It's still in operation, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And this camp uh, has been the scene of another production. The classic 2008 <laughs> Disney film, Camp Rock, with, <laughs> with our personal favorite, brothers from New Jersey, the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> Not quite a classic, but... Well, you know. <laughs> an, an interesting little footnote there. Yeah. A lot of the scenes in this movie were written specifically with Bill Murray's improv skills in mind. There's a, kind of a famous scene in the movie where he's being interviewed by a reporter at the, uh, the pickup site in front of the Kmart. That reporter was played by a famous Canadian DJ whose name eludes me right now, but right, it was something right. that Ivan Reitman mentioned in the in the commentary. Right. And didn't he make that whole thing up just on the spot? I think he did, yeah. How did that go? Uh, well, the one part he's talking about. But the real excitement, of course, is going to come at the end of the summer during Sexual Awareness Week. We import 200 hookers from around the world, and each camper, armed with only a thermos of coffee and $2,000 cash, tries to visit as many countries as he can. The winner, of course, is named King of Sexual Awareness Week, and is allowed to rape and pillage the neighboring towns until camp ends. And I love that the DJ's like, oh, that's very interesting. Oh, hmm. oh thermos of coffee, okay. Yeah, he's trying to, he's making fun of uh, Camp Mohawk, the rival camp. Oh, because, yeah, they yeah. have, you know. They have all the money. Thoroughbred horses for the kids to ride, <laughs> right. and oh my gosh. I mean, come on, their uh, basketball team actually had uniforms. Yeah, exactly. And they play like the Globetrotters. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the interesting thing about the movie, too, is that Bill Murray was kind of notorious for being a little flaky in, in terms of committing to stuff. I think he's still like that, too. Don't they say he will not sign a contract yeah, to I work think, on a movie? I think that is true. Wow. There's probably something that has to be signed for insurance reasons. Okay. But, um, yeah, he's very, he's very aloof. Yeah, yeah. And to this day. They actually didn't even know if he was going to show up. It was kind of like discussed that he was going to be in the movie, and they weren't even sure if he was going to be a part of it. And they were going to pull the plug if he didn't show up. Because oh, no. it was really all about him. Right. And uh, he showed up like the third day of shooting, and then and then they were off and running. And that was actually what he was wearing, that Hawaiian shirt yep. and those red short shorts, yep, right? That was, that was actually his And he just walked clothes. onto the set and just, just went with it. Yep. So great. <laughs> so uh, here's a little minutia for you, in case you were wondering, and I'm sure you were. The futuristic helmet that Bill Murray wears when he's making the announcements over the PA at the beginning is a toy Lunar Patrol helmet from the Tim Mee Process Plastic Division of J. Lloyd International, Inc. One size fits all. Oh. Which is a good thing because he puts the helmet on Chris Makepeace. That's true. And he, too. Chris Makepeace with all that hair, you'd have to worry, will this fit him? But one size fits all. Another interesting thing is that Jack Bloom, the actor who plays Spaz, you know, Spaz, Spaz. Spaz, spaz, spaz. spaz. Um, <laughs> Jack Bloom is actually one of the casting directors, and he's brother of the writer Len Bloom. I think they said um, he was reading in some cases. You know, maybe they didn't have enough people to right. read a scene for a screen test, and he was reading, and he was doing great. Yeah, they said just put glasses with a piece of tape on him, yeah. and he's perfect. Yeah. And he was great. He was, you know, He's done other stuff, too, but again, 
mostly uh, Canadian right, stuff. Right. He and the guy who plays Fink, the guy who plays his friend in the movie, they have done. Other, they had done other things together too after Meatballs. So that's oh, kind of okay. cool. Was this their first movie together? I think so. Yeah. Oh, they did have a great chemistry. And yeah. then um, it was always funny when Larry would say, "You know, Spaz. You know the way she looked at you when you gave her the tennis ball. She wants it. Everything was <laughs> she wants it." <laughs> <laughs> Casanovas. Yeah. So the kids that were in the film were not paid extras. They were actual campers from the camp that was in operation when they were filming this. They kind of worked hey, around... two birds, one stone. Yeah, I mean, they, they worked around the, the camp schedule to some degree, but they used the kids. That's right. And actually, the, the visiting day when the parents came was actually that camp's family day, visitor's yeah. day. Didn't they say for like the lunch scene... In the lunch cabin, mm-hmm. they did wait until the main camp kids were done and moved on to their afternoon activities, and then they went in and filmed. I think they actually did have real camping kids in the lunchroom scene oh, okay. at some point. Yeah. But like all of the acting that's going on between the actors right. is kind of off gossip. to the side a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We want gossip. Yeah. Yeah. But there all were that. kids like there. There's um kind of B roll of kids bringing their trays up. And oh all that right, that. right. That, that's actual campers. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah. So. This movie could have been very different, too. Ivan Reitman had put together an early cut of the film, and he showed it to some people. And then he realized that what it was missing was kind of the heartbeat. It needed more of the interaction between Bill Murray and Chris Makepeace. So what they ended up doing was they built a set that looked like Tripper's Cabin. They built it post-production, and they shot additional scenes in the winter. Okay, this is after they had filmed everything in the summertime. They also shot the scene at the bus station in the wintertime. Now, that'll explain a couple of things. Chris Makepeace is wearing a sweater. That's right. I thought it was just chilly that day. Yeah, and uh, Bill Murray's wearing kind of a heavy coat as well. Yeah, yeah. The thing to look for next time you watch the movie is because things were shot seasons apart and everything was edited together to make it look seamless... If you pay attention, you're going to notice that Chris Makepeace goes back and forth from pre-puberty to puberty and then back again. Oh, that's right. That little mustache yep. and like the his height. His voice taller. is a little deeper. That's right. So like, for example, the scene at the bus station, he's kind of more mature. Right. And then later on in the movie when he runs at the end in the, oh, in the Olympiad. Oh, Woody the Wabbit. Woody the yeah. Wabbit, exactly. He's the he's little, little kid again. That's yeah. right. So you'll, you have to look for that next time you watch right. the movie. It's kind of cool. And didn't Bill Murray actually teach? teach Chris Makepeace how to shave? He actually shaved him. Oh, shaved Yeah, Right, he, because the mustache was coming in, right? Yeah, he came back to shoot the additional scenes and a little puberty yeah, mustache. Little fuzzies. Yeah. <laughs> little fuzzies. <laughs> and uh, Bill Murray put him over a sink and shaved the mustache Aww, That That's your friend. Yep. That's a friend for you. There's a scene where all of the CITs get together for a social after hours. This is after uh, the basketball game against Camp Mohawk. Oh, and he, uh, Bill Murray comes in in that awesome like sports jacket yeah. and, the, and the scarf or ascot or yeah. something. <laughs> Looking awesome. So they're all dancing. And the song that they're dancing to in the scene is actually Miss You by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, okay. However, they couldn't afford to spend the $300,000 to get the rights to that song for the movie. Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, that was almost the budget of the movie, probably. Yeah. So they ended up using David Naughton's Making It as, oh, as, a, a, as a song that's, you know, when you're seeing it on the screen, that's the song I'm that's playing. I'm making it, I got the chance on it. So it has the same beat as Missing It, which is very I guess so, interesting yeah. because it looks like they're all dancing in time. Here's a little six degrees of separation moment. Okay. David Naughton's Making It is used in this movie. Okay. Which 
was directed by Ivan Reitman, who produced Animal House, directed by John Landis. Okay. John Landis directed David Naughton in An American Werewolf in London. Ah, interesting. <laughs> Fun facts, people. <laughs> <laughs> These are the facts. So... When we had an opportunity to watch this movie oh, again yeah. recently, so you know, fun. to prepare to talk about it. And I stayed awake the whole time. I know. That's, that's a big and, deal. and let me tell you, that is a rare thing. You know you really like a movie when it keeps you awake the whole time. That's right. There were a couple of memorable scenes that I made a note of just because I wanted to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is not necessarily in the order that they happen in the movie, but we'll just kind of throw them out okay. there. So uh, they go to Camp Mohawk to play the basketball game against the, the Mohawk players. And like I said before, they're playing like the Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. They and, have matching uniforms. Right. And, and they're like, you, you know, know our guys are like the ragtag team and whatever, you know. <laughs> they could barely even throw the ball. That's true. You know, it was, there's uh, a great exchange that happens between uh, either the CITs or there's a kid involved too. I can't remember. You you were saying. I think it's because there's two girls. Right. And they're, you know, watching or uh, they might just be watching them warm up. And, right. you know, one of them says, oh, that croc is really cute or something like that. And then I think it's the kid in front. Was it the kid in front? Okay. So they go, that croc is really, really cute. Really cute. And the kid goes, yeah, but he can't play basketball worth a shit. <laughs> And I think it's, I mean, what makes it funny is because it's the kid saying it. Right, okay. That's, what I, I, that's how I remembered it. And then uh, I was, I thought it was really funny. The Mohawk cheerleaders are there. Also in matching uniforms. Right, exactly. Those, those like rust-colored halter tops <laughs> and feathers and stuff. Right, and I thought that their chant was, was great. How did that go? Death, injury, blood, and brains. Mohawk, Mohawk, win again. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just over and over. This is that's great for an intercamp basketball Absolutely. game. It's a little much. I love the the recurring stuff that happens with uh, with Morty, the guy who um, is kind of the camp director. Hi, Mickey. Right. The reason they call him Mickey is because the original name for Mickey Mouse was Mortimer Mouse. Oh, that's right, Mortimer Mouse. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So Hi, they, Mickey. So they could play a couple of pranks on him. It's it's basically the same joke, but three different times. Right. When the times. guys go and. What do they strap him down to his bed and then yeah, in the middle turn of the, the night. bed on its side and just carry him out and put him different places? Yeah, in the middle of the night, uh, Bill Murray comes into the male CIT's cabin and wakes them all up. And one of them, in fact, the hardware <laughs> sleeps with his full belt on. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you, you notice that. That's right. <laughs> so they get him up they, and they go to Morty's cabin and they, they strap him into the bed. Doesn't wake up because he's the heaviest sleeper of all time. Right. And they carry him. And it's funny because, uh, you know, they're like, Tripper, he's not going to fit through the door. Okay, ready? And flip. flip. And they flip the bed and he doesn't fall out. And, <laughs> yeah. and they said that was a really difficult thing to film, oh you know, to gosh. keep him in the bed. So anyway, they carry him out of his cabin in the bed, strapped to the bed, and they hang him in a tree. But what's funny about it, not only are they hanging him in the bed in the tree, but they hang his nightstand with all of his pills and all of his paraphernalia. And his alarm clock. Yeah. 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 In the, <laughs> and that's the first thing they do. Right. And then there's another joke where he's, you know, they put him in his bed on the side of the road. Oh, right. That's the That's, family day. Yeah. Okay. So the families are arriving and he's like in his bed, in his right. pajamas at the side okay. of the road. And then at the end of the movie, um, again, hopefully you've seen this movie by now. So yeah. this is not going to be ruining the end for you. But he's in his bed, in his pajamas, on a raft in the middle of the lake. And of course, the alarm goes off. He wakes up. He's all bleary eyed. And he gets up out of bed and he steps off the raft without looking into, into the lake. Into the water. Yeah. Classic physical comedy. And all of that's going on as the credits are rolling, him trying to get back onto the raft. And he eventually ends up taking off his sopping wet pajama shirt and waving it for help. <laughs> so, another scene that struck me as really funny was they do this overnight trip, Tripper and the CITs, mm-hmm. where they're all, I guess, 
strategizing or something. I don't even know what the purpose of that trip was. It's a makeout session, isn't it? Oh, okay. It? Uh, yeah, there's like no... I thought it was supposed to be some sort of a, you know, they go and they, they strategize what they're going to do with the kids, blah, oh, blah, yeah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's probably got some official title yeah. for the overnight, but it's it's just to go sit around and snuggle around a campfire. Yeah, so they're, you know, they're rowing in the canoes to get to the thing and Bill Murray singing with the ukulele, all oh, that kind of stuff. Walla Walla, that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So on the way back from that trip, two women are in the canoe with Fink, you know, Larry, the mm-hmm. big guy. Yeah. And they're rowing. Oh, that's right. He's in the middle, not doing anything. Right. <laughs> I just thought that was. I thought that was yep. really funny. Yep. I like um, some of the artwork in Tripper's cabin. There's different things written on the walls. Mm-hmm. I know one of them was. It's about the Olympiad, right, okay. with Mohawk. Yeah. And it says Camp North Star will win sixty-eight, and that's crossed out. Sixty-nine crossed out. <laughs> Seventy crossed out. Seventy-one. Oh, never mind. <laughs> and then um, on the bathroom door. In Tripper's cabin, there it says, "Please flush toilet for at least thirty seconds." It's a long way to the kitchen. Uh. Ooh. <laughs> the mystery meat, right? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And how about the inner camp Olympiad when it starts? Remember the the thing that we both noticed and we're like, "Oh my god!" Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, because um, Jackie and the guy from Camp Mohawk are running with the flames to right. light the ceremonial torches, and the Mohawk guy spits on her. Yeah, just like flat, it turns and poo. There you go. Yeah, I'm, listen, I, th- I can't believe that. I never noticed that before. That's terrible. Bad sportsmanship is one thing, but that's just ridiculous. Well, they were very bad sports. They cheated. Yeah, every event constantly. They cheat. Yep. I mean, and you know what? They probably didn't even need to because they did a lot of training and practicing and well they had everything at their disposal yeah and they went and they go ahead and cheat anyway (laughs) after the first day and there and camp north star is getting trounced by by the mohawk camp bill murray tripper does the the big speech in the cabin the famous the famous speech it just just doesn't doesn't matter matter. it It just just doesn't matter but at some point he says oh they have private masseuses and this and that right (laughs) right But uh, that speech, if you watch, you can tell he's improvising totally. And they said he blew his voice out after a couple of takes of that because he was just yelling so loud and stuff. But if you watch that scene closely, you can see uh, Ivan Reitman told the the other actors, just react to whatever he says or does. Oh, sure. And you can see genuine reaction. And you can see that they're genuinely laughing at at how funny Bill Murray is in that scene. Oh, my gosh. You can tell that they're totally caught off guard by what he's going to say. It's not planned. It's, It's pretty awesome. Surprisingly... The cast and crew of this movie never reunited after production of this. Wow. Once Once they were done, that was it. Okay. They reunited for the first time last year for the 35th anniversary. It was to benefit a charity called Action Against Hunger Canada. Okay. So pretty cool. And sadly, a couple of people from the cast uh, weren't able to be at the reunion. Keith Knight and Peter Hume, who played uh, Fink and The Stomach, they died exactly two months apart in real life. Um, they were the ones who were in the hot dog eating contest scene right. with Bill Murray behind Fink. You know, you're, you can beat the stomach. You can beat the stomach. You know what's really funny about that scene? For years, every time I saw this movie, I never realized that the other guy was the stomach. I know. I thought he was beating his own stomach. Exactly. I thought he was saying, this is the year. You're not going to throw up. You're going to do it. Exactly. Exactly. But it turns out the other guy was named the stomach. Right. So Keith Knight, who was Fink, Fink, he died of brain cancer on August 22nd, 2007. Mm -hmm. And Hume died October 22nd, 07. So exactly two months apart. Amazing. And at the time of his death, uh, Hume weighed over 400 pounds, so oh I would gosh. assume that's that's what contributed to his passing. Wow. 
According to Flickster, the famous movie app, a remake of Meatballs was in development in 2010. A Lionsgate production, John Whitesell was named the director with a screenplay to be written by John Morris and Sean Anders. Now, at this point, I don't know if this is seeing the light of day or not. I don't know. A remake of Meatballs? What do you think? Are they going to make it modern? Because part of the charm of it for me is that it takes place in the 70s. True. Now, if you have something like this and you're going to make it to modern times... I would think half of the half of it wouldn't even work. It would have to be completely rewritten. Well, I think part of the problem is that when these kind of movies come out nowadays, they just up the raunch factor. That doesn't bother me personally. I'm not offended by anything like that. And I think you can get away with more too. Like what what would have been an R rating in 1979 or in the 80s would be PG-13 now. Oh, probably. probably. Yeah, that's true. So did you find anything else that you wanted to talk about? When the buses are loading mm-hmm. at the Kmart and they're driving away and they're taking the kids to camp, they are uh, Chevrolet and GMC buses. Okay. But then the buses turn into Camp North Star, they're Fords and Dodges. Continuity error. Oops. So if you haven't watched it in a while, check it out again. Meatballs, it's a lot of fun. Are you ready for the summer? Absolutely. Oh, I am. <laughs> and if you have any thoughts or screen facts of your own about meatballs, you can email me at screenfacts at yahoo.com. And please, if you have any comments about the podcast in general, I'd love to hear from you. Please also rate, comment, and subscribe. And check out my website, jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast for info about Screen Facts merchandise. Right, you can get your very own Screen Facts with Jason Davis t-shirt. Hey, thanks for listening. Again, I really appreciate it. And join me next Wednesday for more Screen Facts with Jason Davis. And you will be back next week again. I will. And we're going to be talking about a big movie. Yes, a A big. A huge movie. One of the biggest movies of all time, in fact. So big. That's all we're going to say. 